0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I was in Tesco's the other day. Tesco's Extra in Didsbury. And uh, I went in and the guy... Who is behind the uh, counter when I went to, I don't go to the, who's the self-service till person? No, not at all. I go to him. I want to keep him in a job. So I go to him and, uh, and I say, uh, here you go, thanks very much. And then he says, do you want one of the posh bags that last or do you want one of the cheap ones? You know, looking at me like, basically he's judging me. So um, I said, surprisingly, I'll go for one of the expensive ones, please. So he says, down on your knees. And I'm like, what? And he says, down on your knees. And I'm thinking, there's no way I'm begging for a flipping carrier bag. It's not happening. So I'm standing there like, what do you mean? And then he went, and I'm thinking he genuinely expects me to beg for a carrier bag. I know the government have put you've got a charge for them and everything. I never expected to beg for them. And then I realise what he's saying. He's not saying down on your knees. He's saying down by your knees. And I look, and there's the bags on a little hook. So I just had to get one. Anyway. The reason I tell you that story is because I was, I was, we were just singing about bowing down to God. And at the end of the talk, what I want to do is encourage you, if you want to, if God's spoken to you about it, to actually get up out of your seat and to come down here and to kneel, if you're physically capable of kneeling. Especially, but not exclusively, if you're kind of wanting to give your life fully over to Jesus Christ. And maybe you've done that before, but you've realised that actually you've started to be in charge of your life again yourself. And you want to, to, uh, to give your life back to him. And it's just good to be able to do that sometimes. And to say, all right, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that from here. I'm not going to take the posture of being in charge anymore. Because when you're on your knees, you're not in charge. You know, when you're on your knees, you're basically saying, I'm no longer in charge of this. And, uh, and, and, and you're asking God to do that. And uh, that's how I'm going to finish the talk. And you might be thinking, well, there's no way that I would do anything so public or, or something like that. I'm kind of a private individual or whatever. But if that's you and you've got a resistance to it, then you're exactly the person that I'm praying God would speak to today. Because actually, that can sometimes be a kind of false pride that says, I, you know, I don't want to be demonstrative. I don't want to be outgoing and all that kind of thing. But, but God needs an outgoing people. God needs people who are, who are willing to... to, uh, to To take the risk of appearing foolish in front of other people for the sake of Jesus Christ. So, you know, that's another reason I'm going to push you towards encouraging you to do that. And uh, the the only way I can possibly get you to get over the fear of something like that and to do something that I would consider, and maybe some of you would consider a little bit courageous, would be to tell you a story. Who likes stories? Everybody loves stories. I remember when I was at school, I was always bored by the RE stuff until Mr. Riley got up because he used to always come and tell us a great story and I loved to hear about God from Mr. Riley even though I didn't really even know who God was or believe in God because Mr. Riley could tell a good story and we all like stories and the reason that we love stories is because that's how life comes to us. Life doesn't usually come to us like a maths equation waiting to be solved or a puzzle waiting to be figured out. Now if you want to, it might help you you version on your, on your phone or your other mobile device, you can get that out. And we put notes for these talks now on there so you can follow along. It's got all the Bible references. It's a free app called you version that you can download. And every week as when we can remember. We're going to put them on there so you can follow along. You can see the structure of the talk and you can also make notes yourself. And if you save it, go in the events page of that, you'll be able to get all these Bible verses that we come to later on. Life is a drama. It comes to us scene by scene, page by page. It's not always dramatic. Sometimes if you look back over this last year so far, maybe it's been a bit of a tragedy. Maybe it's been a bit of a comedy. Maybe it's been like a soap opera. One thing after another, and it's lots of changing scenes as you think about it. But the the problem with that is sometimes we end up just looking at the one page and it's like, well, this page is torn from the book, but where does it fit in? And how does it fit into the rest of my life? And why is this bit important right now? And what roles am I meant to play? Because they keep on changing throughout life. I end up in one role and then I meet another character and suddenly my role has to change because of, of of the different characters looking at a couple here who are about to change in terms of their role because there's a character due today, I think, uh, to be born. You know, when that happens, roles change. When I was at theological college, I heard uh, a lot of posh phrases that really could have been said more simply to help you understand what was going on. But one of them was by uh, a French philosopher by the name of Lyotard, who I couldn't possibly forget his name, Lyotard. And uh, it was uh, death of the metanarrative. And uh, the the whole idea of this was that he said that something was happening in the West during the 20th century. And it's carried on even now more, of course. And the idea is that people have lost the idea of a big story. That's what metanarrative means. Why couldn't you say big story? I don't know. Well, people... I've got this idea of, of there used to be a thing called whereby the Bible would would provide the big story for people to be able to fit into their lives into and to be able to see where they fit it. But then these philosophers came along and naturalistic people came along saying, that's where we've got to look for answers. We need to look to science. We need to become more enlightened ourselves. We need to evolve. We need to give up the idea that God provides meaning for us. The best hope for humanity is human self-improvement and science will provide all of those answers. Now as this Einstein quote tells us, science and faith are not opposites. In fact they're not even opponents. When they seem to be giving different answers that's usually because they're asking totally different questions and science was never ever meant to provide the story big enough to live in because it's asking how Sorry, it's not asking how, it's asking why question. Hang on, that's the wrong way around. It is asking how, (laughs) but that doesn't tell us why. Another very influential humanist professor called Neil Postman admitted this. In the end, science does not provide the answers most of us require. To the question, how did it all begin, science answers probably by accident. To the question, how will it end? Science answers probably by an accident. And to many people, the accidental life is not worth living. He goes on to say the science God has no answer to the question, why are we here? The accidental life is not worth living. But if you push Humanistic philosophies. If you push atheism to its logical conclusion, then life actually is meaningless and everybody here should have Macbeth read at our funerals. Life is but a walking shadow, a poor player, next one, that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. That's just a hopeless view of life. But most people haven't given up on the idea of a big story yet. That's why people come to cinema all the time. That's why people go to theatre. That's why we love arts and these kind of things. This is why we we love a good book, some of us, and just to be able to get lost in that story. We, We hunger for something bigger to live in, but the problem is we've lost the plot. Before I knew Jesus Christ... I thought I had to settle for having my own little story and hoping somehow, as I was, played the starring role in it, that one day I'd kind of live happily ever after somehow, whatever that looked like. And we reduce our search for meaning down to a search on Google. Or if my Facebook timeline ends up looking like a happy life... Perhaps that's the only way that I'll be able to, look, to make any sense of it and piece it all together. In the moment, I can feel, oh, I was happy then. That was a good life. That was a good day. In a selfie world that's lost the plot. Like if you walked in here at the wrong time or the wrong screen. Imagine that. You walk in and it's halfway through a movie and everybody's laughing at some joke. But you don't know why they're laughing because you don't know why that's funny because you don't know who that character is you, you lost the plot I heard a preacher called Ravi Zacharias this week being interviewed he does a lot to reach out to university students and tell them about God really an amazing clever guy and he said when he was asked actually the two big issues that young people have questions about that they say they need help with right now are pornography and suicide And he said those two things are linked because porn is devaluing other people and suicide happens when you devalue yourself. And I heard that and another word came to mind for me, demeaning. It's it's demeaning. It's, It's taking out the meaning in life. We live in a demeaning society. Because people Snapchat, Instagram or WhatsApp their piecemeal lives, trying to get it to fit together somewhere and wonder why why in all those pieces they have no peace. Because they can't piece it all together. They've got no idea how to find meaning in life. No big story. They lost the plot. Hey, what if there is a plot? What if there is a big story that the news can't tell you? that makes sense of your story? What if it's true in Ivy's year of equipping, what we keep saying around here, that is when you find your place, God has a place for you to find. And when you find your place, you will fulfill your purpose. And at the end, like I said, I'm gonna encourage you to come and to kneel down at the front. And part of that is to say, maybe you've said it before, you wanna say it again. Lord, I wanna find my place in your big story. I don't want to be the star anymore. I don't want to be the hero of this story anymore. I want to let you have the place that only you can have. I want to play my part in your big story. I don't want you to just get involved a little bit in mine. The video that we started off with highlighted the work of a writer called Joseph Campbell. He he was an expert on comparative religions and ancient stories and mythology. And he saw that all these stories have a similar structure. He called it the hero's journey And Hollywood and games makers and advertisers know it too. And they use this framework to engage us and stir our hearts or open our wallets. What's your favourite? Lord of the Rings, Braveheart, Star Wars, Gladiator, Hunger Games, Rocky, The Matrix, Inception, Gravity, 12 Years a Slave, all the James Bond films. If it's games, maybe it's Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty or even Super Mario Brothers. They have this plot. And Campbell saw that these plots grab our hearts and they all have the same elements. Love, adventure, an enemy to fight, danger, a hero who rises up and against all odds makes a sacrifice and triumphs, but has to pay the price to enable that to happen. And somehow after laying down their life, there's a resurrection and everybody's saved as a result of it and everything is renewed. And if any of those elements are missing in a film, we say, that was a rubbish film. We feel cheated as a result of it. Why is that? well, what if the reason that that's the case is because we are hardwired for the big story? What if God is speaking to your hearts through all of those movies that stirred your heart, all those stories that grabbed you on the inside? What if there really is a great big love adventure story and he's cast you for a role in that? And we lose something whenever we lose the plot so that's why you read that book or you played that game and you were able to the hours just went away and you somehow found yourself a little bit in the characters of the story why is that it could it be true what Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says that God has set eternity in every person's heart that you're not here by chance that there is an author there is a director that's why you die slowly on the inside when you haven't got a mission a purpose in life, and you're just existing. Because actually, you know somehow, even though you might have repressed it or the world may have tried to knock it out of you, you were made to right some wrongs. You were made to fight some battles. You were made to be helping other people and doing a diff- making a difference. And, and actually, I'm not saying be the hero. See, a lot of these things, what they'll say, if you listen to books by advertisers, you'll say the idea is to make the audience the hero, and then, the, then they will respond. But you know what? I'm not the hero of this story. I need to find my place. I need to find my part. And since Easter, we've been looking at the cross in this series through the eyes of different characters who were all there when Jesus died. And today we're going to look at something huge. We're going to be thinking about Calvary from God's viewpoint. What did the cross mean to God? And if we're ever going to get started on that, we have to see that this gruesome torture scene was part of a big, epic Story that makes sense of everybody else's stories here and every other story, including your story and my story. When we find our place in it, in John's Gospel, chapter 19, we read, Jesus knew that his mission, say, mission. mission, his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, if you walked in at that part of the story, if you were just walking around Jerusalem and you found yourself among a group of other people being crucified, that you saw that there was this one man on the cross and that he was just being forgiving people and that there was a, some family members around him and people were crying and weeping, you'd think, well, that's you know the forgiving thing is a bit, a bit strange because usually people are spitting and cursing and, and everything. but But... You just think, what a tragedy. This is obviously a good man dying. This is, this is just an ordinary good man who is dying. And, and it, it's a torture scene, but there's nobody going to rescue him. And he ends up dying because nobody came to help him. What a tragedy that is. But you have to know who this character is. Really is to make sense of the story. And to do that, you have to go back to the beginning to find out who this man is. And you find out that this man is actually God. Genesis 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now, this gives us a clue about what kind of God we worship. What Christians believe about God, you need to understand, is very different and distinct from what other religions and philosophies will tell you about him. They don't all say the same thing. They really don't. Some, in fact, say there's no God, that's atheism. Some say there's lots of gods, which is polytheism. Some say basically everything is God, which is pantheism. Islam and Judaism say there is one God, that's monotheism. And then you have Christianity. He says, yes, there is one God, but he's in three persons. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Trinity. Act one of the big story starts with an empty stage except God. God was always there and God is Father. God is Holy Spirit. God is Son. All at the same time, before there was time. Theologians have tried to explain this and break down the idea of a Trinity in different ways. But all the analogies break down because we're talking about God and if God is big enough for me to be able to worship, he can't be so small that I'll easily understand him. But the kind of analogies that we'll talk about, we'll say, oh, it's a bit like H2O is, is water and steam and ice, but it's still all H2O. But actually, yeah, that breaks down at some point. Or, well, an egg is yolk and white white and shell, but that gets scrambled too. (laughs) Or I am a dad and a son and an uncle all at the same time, but I'm still Anthony. And at least part of that is right. None of these are complete pictures, but the part that's right about that, I suppose, is that it's about relationship. And years later, John, who wrote the gospel, wanted to sum up who God was. And he just said, God is Love. When you picture God, don't picture a cosmic hand or a pointing finger. Think instead about a heart full of love. The Father is fully God and he's not the Son and he's not the Spirit, but he loves them. The Holy Spirit is fully God, and he's not the Son, and he's not the Father, but he loves them. And the Son is fully God, and he's not the Father, and he's not the Spirit, but he loves them. And it's always like they're saying to each other, I love you. No, I love you more. I love you more. I love you more. I love you more. God has always been this way. And if you want the beginning of our story, you read it in Genesis 1, the story of the universe being made. But John also came to see that Jesus' friend, who he saw dying on the cross and then saw alive again, had no beginning. This is what we forget. Jesus had no beginning. He was and is and ever shall be the Christ who was and is and is to come, whose story never had a beginning because he always existed once upon eternity. So John wrote. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of mankind. It echoes that Genesis story so well. And one day. When he'd made a few days. God decided he was going to do something. Because he wanted to share the love. And so he made somebody in his own image. He made some people in his own image. He said, Let us make humanity in our image. So our story starts out good. It's a love story. We're made to reflect the image of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a love story. That's the end of Act One. Act One. People get made, and we're close to God. We're working together with Him. It's a love story. Act two, enter the enemy, stage left. This is why every epic story has a bad guy, an adversary, somebody who steals and kills and destroys. If you're a hobbit, it's Sauron, but we're human, so it's Satan. And looking at this world, if you don't know, if you don't live as if there is an enemy, he'll just take you out all the more easily. The enemy hates and opposes God, which is ridiculous because he'll never win against God. But if you really want to hurt somebody, go after their kids. He hates you. He puts Because he sees you and you've got God's fingerprints all over you. And you remind him of God. And we know that there's this evil in the world that sometimes it's hard for us to fathom. But at least this story helps me to begin to understand what this enemy is like. And an enemy did this. That's what one, of the, one of the parables Jesus told. If you Remember the wheat and the tares. He says that a farmer put good,s, goods um, wheat out in the field, but an enemy came along and he sowed weeds amongst it. And when, when they came to him, they said, hey, what's happened? And he said, an enemy did this. The world is at war. You have an enemy. You have a tempter. You have a deceiver. You have an accuser. And he comes along to these first humans like he comes along to all of us. And he says, if... God is there at all. He's certainly not good, but you are good. You are wise. You are wonderful. Be your own God. You don't need God. Rewrite your own story. Give yourself the starring role. Cast yourself in the main part. And they're not people. They're puppets. So they can choose. And they choose to turn their backs on God. They give away their freedom Because Jesus said, everybody who sins is a slave to sin. Guilty, lost, alone, separated from God. Hurting each other in a cold and broken world that they handed over to the enemy. But God is love and God still cares. So God speaks to them. He speaks to them from a mountain of fire. He speaks to them on tablets of, 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 of laws and instructions. And he says, if you keep my laws, if you, if you do it perfectly, be holy like I'm holy and you can make your way back to me. This is how you can do it. But they won't and they don't because they can't. We can't save ourselves. That's the story of the first two quarters of the Bible. Act, Old Testament is really Act 1 and Act 2. Are you ready for Act 3? Anybody ready for Act 3? Yes. Act 3 is good. I hope you're ready for Act 3. Because this is when it really starts to get moving. A hero is needed. A rescuer has to come. Private Ryan needs saving. The president needs Jack Bauer. The galaxy needs not Luke Skywalker, but George Lucas. Who's George Lucas? He's the creator. He's the creator. He's the, he's the one who wrote it. He's the one who directed it. And just, that's more like what we're talking about here. This is like, you know, suddenly imagine Steve, Steven Spielberg dives in and starts punching jaws at the end and fighting it off. This is the kind of picture that we've got here. And they're all sitting together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're grieving because they love us. They want us to come back to him. And so the eternal Christ, the Son, says, I will go. And the Father says, go. And the Spirit says, go. And then, like in every good film, he says, you stay here. And they say, no, we're coming with you. <laughs> it's the greatest story ever told. God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit working together in a willing heart and a virgin's womb so that God the Son can become a baby. God who fills every dimension now fills a feeding trough. Jesus volunteers for the rescue mission to go behind enemy lines. It's 10 times more 3D than Avatar. He says, I love you enough to become like you, one of you. You'll never know. You can never guess how much I love you. So I will be found by you if I'm found in human appearance. Fully God, fully man. God in flesh. Christ is now Jesus of Nazareth. He leaves eternity in heaven, so we don't spend eternity in hell. The hero fights through all opponents and stands before all the captured ones. And he says, I've come to get you out of here. Follow me. I've come to give my life as a ransom for many. And the movie that came closest to picturing what that ended up looking like for Jesus is the passion of the Christ. And we see shadows of it when Neo, the chosen one, is beaten and dies to bring down the matrix while Trinity stands alongside of him, praying and willing him back to life. Captain America, Spider-Man, Batman, Iron Man, a thousand other heroes go through some kind of death before the tables turn and an exchange takes place and the rescue happens. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this. He laid down his life for his friends. But none of those stories, None of those books, not even Aslan dying for Narnia, can compete with the true story of heroism of what Jesus did for us. The Apostle Paul said this, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person somebody might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you ever hear anything more heroic? More wonderful, more noble, more glorious than that. His death makes a divine exchange possible. The spotless one says, You sinned when you turned your back and walked away and you took my place as God. Now turn around, turn around again and I'll take your place as a sinner. The cost of your rebellion was sickness and shame and death. I will pay for all of that. Because God didn't send me to be a condemner. He sent me to be the saviour. I'm here to be the saviour. I'll carry your sins upon my cross. That's my mission. That's why I came. So death won't have the final word. So the enemy won't win. So mercy will triumph over judgment. It's the divine exchange. Have you taken part in that yet? Have you said to God, I'll give you you my mess. You give me your miracle. I'll, I'll give you my hurt and my pain and my sin and my shame. And you give me... You, the, the story, the, the better story that you've got for me from now on. Jesus is judged so we can be forgiven. Jesus dies so a, a cursed death so we can live a blessed life. Jesus took my place on the cross every bit as much as he took Barabbas' place on the cross. He took the blame. He took my shame because nobody else could, nobody else would. Isaiah saw a preview of it. Hundreds of years before, he saw a glimpse like on a reel, of what was going to take place. And he wrote about it when he said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. See, if you knew my heart, if you knew things that I'd said and thought and done over the years, you would know that he wouldn't think of me as anything but a sinner. And don't look at me like that because you're as bad as I am. But the good news is, he's a friend of sinners. He's a friend of sinners. He took my place. Jesus came and took my place on the cross. He died for me. He was condemned so I can go free. He was wounded so I can be healed. He became poor so that I could have the abundant riches of Christ Jesus, of his mercy. He was rejected so that I can be accepted. He was, he was called and righteous and spat upon and abused so that I could be forgiven. That's what the Bible says. And I wouldn't dare say it if it wasn't here in black and white. When Jesus died that day, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, say in him, in him we might become the righteousness of God. Repeat that with me. I ask God to show you more of what it means. There's a mystery to this, so deep we'll never ever get to the bottom of it. We're going to glory in this for the whole of eternity. You might as well say it again with me now. There's two parts to it. As soon as that goes, I'll say it. God made him, say that, God made him who had no, sin, God had no sin, to be sin for us, to be sin for us. So, that, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Sometimes we only hear the first part of that, but the second part is amazing too. The first part means Jesus takes my place. Jesus loves me enough to come and sit in my place and to be a sinner and to drink that cup. But then he says to me, you come. It breaks down because he's coming with me. But You come and take my place. what it says isn't it God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus Paul talks all the time about being in Christ he's kind of put that chair on top of that chair maybe if it don't fall off there you go he'll fall off See, the first part means Jesus takes my place, but then he says to me, come and take my place. Take your place with me. Jesus wasn't made to do this by God the Father or God the Son. All three were acting together in love to save you and me. God, together in unity as Trinity on purpose, put all the sin of the world on Jesus Christ, including yours and mine, and he took the wrap and he carried it all. And on the cross, he absorbed into himself like a sponge, Every lie, every abuse, every theft, every greedy thought, every dirty word, every selfish, nasty, corrupted thought or deed from since the before the beginning of time until the very end, he became the sin of Adam and Eve, the murder of Moses, the adultery of David, the sexual sins of Rahab, the betrayal of Judas, the violence and cowardice and denials of Peter. Jesus took all the pride and all the pus inside the heart of Anthony Delaney and he took it all because God is love and God never stopped loving me. When I couldn't love myself, he has come to me so many times when I've been on my knees, when I've been broken, when I've messed up again. He's come and he's met me and his love just keeps on reaching out to me from the cross. And I hear Jesus crying out at that point saying, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. And I have to get really quiet because I'm thinking, oh no, no, I didn't know what I was doing. I really didn't know what I was doing. And then through the quiet, I hear the father say, yes, of course, son, I forgive him. You paid the precious price of your blood to bring him to us. Your blood has set him free and we love him, don't we? And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, we love Anthony. Let me go and comfort him now. Let me go and strengthen him. So, so he can tell other people about me, about us. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I can't tell other people about, about you. Don't you remember what I've done? Don't you remember who I am? And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all speak together in this word that can never be broken. And they say, yes, we know who you are. You're the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. That's who I am. And I'm loved by him. And now my life is hidden with Christ in God, the Bible says. Ephesians 1 says the Apostle Paul would pray every single day for people in church. He said, if people knew this, if you knew this, the the love and the power that was released on resurrection day, which meant first of all, that he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. That's one. But it didn't stop there because in chapter two, it says this. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus for all eternity since he died my death so I can know his life. Since he came to make me alive again. Since he took my place and invited me to take my place in him, in Christ, I'm living between two places now. In between Act 3 and Act 4. When he returns or when I die, I'm going home. When I give, I'm offshore investing. Where moth and rust will never eat away or destroy. Because now, wherever I live in this world, wherever he sends me, I am a citizen of heaven. And it's better, better, better by far. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you? Do you know the meaning of life? Have you been looking for the meaning of life? Do you feel like you've lost the plot? Who am I? I'm not trying to be the hero. I'm not trying to be the star of the show anymore. I live like that for 21 years. How ridiculous. It's like the cameraman in something like some big epic, like War and Peace, telling everybody that he's the star. See, I'm not the star. But the problem is I get fooled by this because I look out of here and these are like my cameras, and you're all in my story. You're all in my film. Some of you play bigger parts than others. Some of you are just extras at the moment. Maybe you'll get to know me a little bit better. Maybe I can offer you a better part. How ridiculous. What a selfish life that is. I heard an interview with uh, that guy, James Norton, who I believe some ladies like, who was in the War and Peace. And he, he humbly pushed the attention away from himself when he was interviewed. And he says, the guy I admire is the director, Tom Harper. He said, because I don't know how he does it, but they have these hundreds and hundreds of people and different scene changes and all these different times. And he somehow has to hold all of that together in his mind and make sense of it. And I thought, well, isn't that like God? Our God holds the bigger picture together. And one day we'll see it all when after the war comes the peace. Until then, who am I? I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. I am an adopted son. I'm a steward who's called to be faithful of a great king. He's given me huge responsibilities and he wants to give me even more. He wants to entrust you and me with some amazing things. He wants to give us more authority. One day, I'll be given even more. I am an ambassador of Christ. I have all of the resources and all the protection of the kingdom at my disposal because Jesus took everything that was coming to me And gave me everything that's coming to him. So I'm a co heir with him, with Christ. I get to share it all with him. And yes, I'll share in his sufferings, the Bible says. But that just proves that one day I'm going to share the glory. Now, the most important job I have to do is to go to people out there who are lost, who've lost the plot, who don't know where and how to go. I've got to go and take the good news to people, (laughs) and encourage them, please be reconciled to God, the Bible says, that's the only way you're ever going to find your place and fulfill your purpose, I'm going to invite people who've turned their backs on God, turn around, he loves you, he wants, he's got so much more for you than you'd ever be able to make up, he's got a far better story than the one you could direct yourself, and I want to do that now, first of all, if you know that you've turned your back and you're, and oh you're trying to control something you've got no real control over which is your life why don't you come down the front and just pray with me now maybe you've never turned back to God before I want to invite you to start to come and do that now some people are going collecting kids so don't get excited about that oh no they're excited because they like the kids anybody wants to come and give your life to Jesus for the first time please come now and kneel down here in fact anybody who just generally wants to kneel in prayer come with them too if you want to come back and say to him lord i want you to direct my life i'm tired of carrying the weight of trying to be in charge of my own story i want you to come and direct it from now on then please come down the front do you already know that your sins have been forgiven do you already know that you are for a great role alongside the real hero of this story. If if you're not sure about that, thank you. Invite you to come down the front. And anybody else who's who's realised they've kind of lost the plot, maybe you've been looking at a scene and you've been thinking, well this is the end but it's not the end. Maybe you've been um, trying to be in control and direct it all yourself and you need to give control back to him and and direction back to the the, the author of life the Bible says if you want to do that please come down now and join me on your knees the band are going to start to play Lord I know that I'm a sinner but I also know that you took my place so I can take my place in the heart of the love of God so that I can be forgiven, so that I can be blessed. You were rejected, so I can be accepted. You were made sin so that I could know that I am um, covered in your righteousness. I'm blessed by your love. You know, whatever this means to you, sometimes it's good to move. Move do something physical where we're responding to God. If you want to do that, please come down the front. It's going to take one minute to do this because I know some people have got to go and get their kids in a minute, but one minute with Jesus can change everything. It's just getting it's interesting, just probably because you come from that side. But a lot of us have knelt over that side, and that's the kind of Jesus taking my place side. And that's great if you want to be there. But some of us actually need to maybe move over here and sing this from this side um, in some way around this area. It's just symbolic, but just to say actually, thank you for taking my place, and now I want to take I want to take my place. I want to see myself as being loved and accepted and the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want to know what it is to be in Christ Jesus. I want that place and position of authority in my life. I want to to know that you're guiding and directing me. So if you want to move, you can move. Um, Thank you, Jesus. thank you that um, you come and you, you took our place on the cross so that all of our sins could be washed away so we could have a fresh start and a new life so that we can give control over to you and trust that you'll direct it, that you've got you've got it all in hand, all the fragmented pieces. You've got a big story and if you could make all of time and eternity make sense one day, then you can make sense of today for me. I give that to you. And you've got tomorrow in your hands, so I can trust that to you as well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you've not lost the plot. You're still working out your story. And Lord, help me, because this is why you came, to take my place seated in heavenly realms, not just to be stuck down here on the earth and trying to work out my own earthly solutions. Help me, Lord, to know that I can connect to you and to your love and your grace and your power and all that you have and all that you are. Thank you that I'm invited into a close and intimate relationship with you. Help me this week when I pray to step into the throne room of God and know that I'm accepted there. I'm loved there. I don't have to repeat Over and over again, all the reasons why I should be good enough, I'm not. But Jesus is great enough to bring me into that place. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. That's not just for when I die, it's for now. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.